Greetings. Joseph Kursky here, geographer and educator, on the Thinking Spatially podcast series with you. The Thinking Spatially podcast series. Today's topic, aerial photography, examining the earth from above. Aerial photography, examining the earth from above. For millennia, people longed to see their home, the earth, from above. Socrates, for example, said, quote, Man must rise above the earth to the top of the atmosphere and beyond, for only thus will he fully understand the world in which he lives. End quote, Socrates. Geographers have always been interested in multiple perspectives of the earth. Throughout the millennia, people have made drawings on cave walls, stone, paper, of what is on the ground, maps. Geographers became adept at drawing aerial perspective views of cities and regions, such as the Vista de Venezia, view of Venice, by Jacopo de Barbari, as far back as 1500. By the early 1800s, geographers and geologists began creating cross-sectional maps of what is underground, for example, William Smith. Despite these drawings, they still wanted to see the earth from above, as a bird does. How could geographers help their own community, as well as the general public, understand what the earth looks like from above? The revolution came with photography. Immediately upon its discovery, geographers and photographers were keen to take the new technology to the skies. But how could they, in the decades before airplanes, and later rockets and satellites, do so? On 13 October 1860, James Wallace Black, accompanied by Professor Sam King, ascended to an altitude of 365 meters, or 1,200 feet, in King's balloon, and photographed portions of Boston. A few years later, in 1868, Gaspard Felix Tornchanon, later known as Nadar, ascended several hundred meters in a tethered balloon to take oblique photographs of Paris, after his 1858 Bievre Valley photographs were lost. Arthur Batut, B-A-T-U-T, took the first aerial photography using a kite in May 1888. The kite contained an altimeter that encoded the exposure altitude on the film, which allowed for scaling of the image. A slow-burning fuse responding to a rubber band-driven device actuated the shutter within a few minutes after the kite was launched. A small flag dropped once the shutter was released to indicate to the ground crew that it was time to bring down the kite. By 1906, George Lawrence was using between 9 and 17 large kites with a camera weighing 49 pounds, 22 kilograms, taking some of the largest exposures, 18.9 by 48 inches or 48 by 122 centimeters, ever obtained from an aerial platform. The camera was lifted to approximately 2,000 feet or 610 meters, and an electric wire controlled the shutter to produce a negative. His photographs became famous because they showed San Francisco five weeks after the famous earthquake and fires. Kites had their limitations, leading some to try birds. Yes, birds. In 1903, Julius Neubrenner designed and patented a breast-mounted aerial camera for carrier pigeons. The camera weighed only 70 grams, taking automatic exposures at 30-second intervals along a flight line. 
Despite the difficulty of making pigeons following a designated flight line, they were used in fares and even for military surveillance. But airplanes, of course, provided the long-term, reliable scientific solution. Beginning in the 1920s, the biz business of aerial photography expanded, as local governments and private industry realized that aerial surveys could be faster and less expensive than ground surveys. An important innovator during much of the 20th century in this field was Talbert Abrams. Talbert Abrams. Born in 1895 on a farm in Michigan, Abrams learned to fly at the Curtis Aviation School in 1916, where his pilot's license was signed by Orville Wright. After serving as a pilot for the U.S. Marines in World War I, he became one of the country's first air mail pilots in 1920. He then established ABC, Always Be Careful, Airline Corporation, and his J-1 biplane equipped with a homemade camera became his first photogrammetry aircraft. Before long, his renamed Abrams Aerial Survey Company had secured contracts with state highway departments, and in 1937 developed the P-1 Explorer, the first aircraft exclusively designed for aerial photography. It was distinctive in appearance, as its entire front was made of panels of glass, offering the pilot and the photographer unobstructed views in nearly every direction. Pretty cool. During World War II, all branches of the military were using his aerial photography methods. His company, later sold to Curtis Wright, mapped 1,720 American cities, 515 counties, 48,000 miles of utility lines, and 5,800 miles of highways, and Abrams became known as the father of aerial photography. Another key innovator was Sherman Fairchild, who developed and improved aerial camera. The company he founded, Fairchild Aerial Surveys, Inc., landed a contract with Newark, New Jersey in 1921 to conduct aerial mapping there, setting the stage for thousands of such contracts globally with hundreds of companies down to the present time. His innovations also spread to designing the airplanes themselves, because Fairchild realized that existing airplanes were not suitable for the tight maneuvering and extreme conditions that were often encountered during the taking of aerial photographs. Fairchild's company also developed a camera for NASA that was carried on Apollo 15, 16, and 17 to photograph the moon. During these developments, the application of aerial photography to geographic problems and issues greatly expanded. Arguably, the most important and most frequent use of aerial photography for most of the 20th century was for mapping. National mapping agencies such as the U.S. Geological Survey in the USA and the Ordnance Survey in the U.K. began to use films as the basis of their topographic mapping programs. While both maps and aerial photographs present a bird's-eye view, it is important to note that aerial photography and aerial photographs are not maps. Maps are orthogonal representations. They are directionally and geometrically accurate, though not perfect, as I discuss, as I discuss elsewhere in this podcast. Aerial photography and aerial photographs, even with modern methods, have distortion related to the topography of the Earth, the tilt of the aircraft, and the mechanics of the camera lens. However, aerial photography, combined with field crews that ground truth these photographs to surveyed locations, allowed cartographers to mathematically correct their distortions and make two-dimensional maps and increasingly detailed scales, such as 1 to 24,000 and even 1 to 10,000 for entire count countries and areas. In addition, taking photographs that, in, that slightly overlapped allowed cartographers to use the rapidly advancing science of photogrammetry to create contour lines showing elevation on these maps. 
Later, they used these same overlapping techniques to create digital elevation models that even more closely represented the three-dimensional Earth. Another primary use for aerial photography during its first century was for military reconnaissance. Even as far back as World War I, aerial photographs were taken from airplanes, although they were often distorted due to shutter speeds being too slow in relationship to the speed of the airplanes. Toward the end of the war, Sherman M. Fairchild developed a camera with the shutter located inside the lens to reduce the distortion problem. As aerial photography expanded during World War II, geographers were sought as trusted and, and expert advisors to governmental military operations around the world. In perhaps the most famous example, aerial photography played a critical role in the discovery of the Soviet construction of missile silos in Cuba during 1962 before and during the missile crisis. More recently, aerial photography has been instrumental in bringing global attention to humanitarian crises in Uganda, in Darfur, and in Syria, although satellite imagery is used even more frequently due to its advantages in dissemination and temporal and spatial coverage. The importance of aerial photography to the study of geography and the understanding of the Earth cannot be understated. With aerial photography, geographers had the vantage point that for centuries they had hoped for. Aerial photographs stopped the action on the ground at the specific time at which they were captured, offered a permanent record on film as well. Aerial photography offers, in black and white, 256 gray tones that enable geographers to interpret features on the ground on the images, and in color using hue, saturation, and value. Perhaps more importantly, film sensitive to different wavelengths than the human eye is sensitive to could also be used to take photographs from airplanes and later satellites. This allowed geographers to image the Earth in color infrared and in other wavelengths, which in turn allowed them to see things such as vegetation health and underground ore bodies that film sensitive to visible wavelengths could not show. Furthermore, once aerial photography became easily reproducible and available thanks to the advent of the mass production of contact prints from film, geographers had the means at their disposal of ordering aerial photographs to be taken at different times. By studying aerials taken at different times of year and different times of day, geographers gradually learned how daily and seasonal cycles are reflected on the Earth's surface. Over time, these photographs became a critical component in the understanding of how physical and human-caused processes change the Earth. In terms of natural processes, everything from volcanic eruptions to coastal erosion to sea level changes could be observed, and in terms of human influence, urbanization, agricultural practices, and hundreds of other influences could be examined. Land use planning on local, regional, and even national scales could be conducted. Thematic maps of geology, land cover, biomes, and many other themes could be accurately carried out and examined. Studies produced by geographers and other disciplines using aerial photography came to be used by city planners, wildlife habitat managers, agronomists, and many others in their everyday decision making. The developments in aerial photography and mapping, in turn, gave rise to geographic information systems and progressively more analytical and efficient means of creating maps and data to study the Earth as it really is, a dynamic, changing, living planet. Think of the aerial photography results that you've looked at over the years. Anytime I have been in exhibit booths and in workshops, either in digital form or in paper print form or in film form, People crowd around those aerial photographs. Everybody loves looking at aerial photographs. I've very rarely seen or even can think of a person that has said, Joseph, 
I don't like looking at these aerial photos. They're boring. No, they're fascinating to be able to look at. Oh, that's a golf course. That's a shopping center. That's a library. That's a volcano. That's a fault line. That's a river system. That's a that's a reservoir. That's coastal erosion in action. That's urbanization in action. This is the influence of uh, glacial advance or retreat. Um, and so these aerial photographs have been a fascinating way of getting people more geoliterate, which is another one of my main themes. So I would I would highly encourage you to look at, especially nowadays in digital form, aerial photographs, even going back in time. You'll be able to find some going back to around 1928-ish and even slightly before. Then you can compare a old aerial photograph to a newer satellite image and looking at change over space and time. Fascinating to do that. It's often grim because you see that in 80 or 90 years, the amount of change on the landscape has been drastic and in many cases sobering and grim. But aerial photographs are keys to understanding our planet and I highly encourage you to do, to do that very thing. Get some aerial photographs, especially in modern digital form, and start investigating the planet. Thanks, and keep on thinking spatially. This has been Joseph Kursky talking with you about aerial photographs, examining the Earth from above, as part of our Thinking Spatially podcast. I wish you a good day, and keep on thinking spatially. Mm -hmm.